Uh, we've been talking about uh, the greatest story ever told, and the idea is that we want to tell the Christmas story from the perspective of the different people that were involved in the story. So last week, we talked about Joseph and Mary. This week, we want to talk about the shepherds. And I, I really like the shepherds. They're probably some of my favorite people in the story uh, just because of uh, this one thing. Let's, let's jump into it real quick. Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 8, it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love the shepherds. I love the shepherds because if you study the shepherds, um, a, a variety of different people, historians, Bible scholars, uh, most people are going to tell you that the shepherds really were nobodies. Like the shepherds were not special. A lot of people will even say that the shepherds were like the lower class people. Like they um, weren't good enough to do anything good, so they threw them out with the sheep at night, right? Like that's who the shepherds were. And I love the shepherds because the shepherds weren't scholars. The, the shepherds, uh, they, they weren't anything special. The shepherds weren't wealthy and they weren't warriors and they weren't wise. The, the shepherds weren't anything, you like how I put all those W's in there? The shepherds weren't anything special at all. And that's sometimes how I feel, right? Like a lot of times whenever we think about people doing great things for God and people that should be involved in the Bible, uh, people that should be involved in the Christmas story, we think it's got to be someone special. It's got to be the wise men. It's got to be the Virgin Mary. It's got to be uh, the angel Gabriel. I was named after him, but I didn't get any of his characteristics, right? Like I'm a nobody. And a lot of times, for the most part, we're all nobodies. Like we're we're not always something special. But I think it's so cool that God chose the people that weren't special to give a special message. He wasn't looking for the greatest and the brightest. He, he didn't show up at the Bible college of the day and tell all the up and coming preachers what, you know, the glorious things that God was doing. He showed up in the middle of a field and told a bunch of shepherds. And I think sometimes we struggle with the with the I'm nots. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not bold enough. I'm not talented enough. When I get up on this stage and we see all these talented people, you know, like I, I look at the slaughters who got up here and sang, and I'm like, wow, I, I didn't want to follow them. That's not good. And then Jay and Erica and Bobby and, and Sean, I mean, all the, the kids, well, I, I I mean, I might be better than some of those kids, but, um, but you know, you look at the talent, you look at the talent, and you're just like, man, I don't know if I can meet up to that standard, you know? And, and, and so it's one of those things, like, we struggle sometimes with the I'm nots. Look, I grew up in a family where my dad was a pastor and a preacher, 
And every time I was in church, people walked up to my dad and said that was the greatest sermon they've ever heard. No pressure, Gabriel. You know, like, what am I going to do? I grew up in a time when people were always looking at him, and I was just Pastor Mike's son. It was so funny. Yesterday, uh, Jake and Mel's girls came up, and they saw my dad, and they said, Hey, Pastor Gabriel's dad. And I was like, yes, I've made it. I've made it. See, we can struggle with all the, all the I'm nots and, and, and all that all we want. As a matter of fact, you can come into church and you can say, I'm not good enough. I, you, you should have seen what I did last week. You should have seen what I did last year. You should have seen how I grew up. I've, I've had a terrible life. I've done some bad things. Maybe, maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you struggle with the fact that, that God can't use you. But, but then he brings the shepherds in. And the shepherds were nobodies. And if God can use the shepherds, he can use me and he can use you. Here's the things the shepherds had. The shepherds didn't have a lot but they at least had three I cans, all right? Everybody say, I can. There's something you can do, right? There's something you can do. And the shepherds had three I cans. Let me give you the three I cans, and then I'm going to get out of the way, and we'll finish the service. But, but the first thing they can do is, is we can be available. I can be available. And that's what the shepherds were. The shepherds were available. Listen, the shepherds had jobs. The shepherds were doing something. They were busy. They were trying to tend these sheep in the middle of the night. The shepherds had a job. But when the angels showed up, they stopped what they were doing. They pressed pause on their job in order to focus on what was more important. And that was what God was trying to say to them at that time. And see, a lot of times for us, whenever we come into the room, we're so busy in here. Maybe we say, I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to go to church. I'm too busy to to focus on what's important. Listen, God's not looking for special. He's looking for available. God doesn't need all your talent. He needs your availability. Are you available? Are you willing to just press pause on some things in life to get a word from him? Are you willing to press pause on a Sunday morning to show up at church? Listen. You, you may think, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. There's plenty of times this morning, just now, a few minutes ago, a video starts and, and, and Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan and the team have done an excellent job today figuring out the lights and the sound and all this stuff. They're killing it today. But we're sitting down there and a video starts and the sound didn't come right on the way I thought it was supposed to come on. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh no, the sound's not on. Where's the sound? Jonathan, where's the sound? And Perry just puts her hand on my leg and she says, you're not driving today. You're, you're not in charge. Press pause on being a pastor and just just sit in the crowd and enjoy what God's doing. She didn't say that. I said that. Don't don't give her credit for what I was saying. <laughs> Listen, there's some people in the Bible that had a lot of butt first. And all the kids are looking at me like, can I say that? Yeah, you can say butt first. Um, here's what the, here's what the uh, oh, man, I want to tell a story so bad. So anyways, I will tell a story because we've got South Africans in the room. So one time this South African came to our church and he was preaching and his wife was, was there and she was down front, right? So all of my South African people, um, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Maybe not all South Africans dance like this. I haven't seen y'all dance. But the music came on and it was popping. And when it was, the, the lady started dancing in the front of the church. And when she started dancing, she danced butt first, just like this. She went around in a circle and her circle got bigger and bigger and bigger. And she started bumping everybody out of the way. And we're all getting hit by her butt because it was butt first. It has nothing to do with the story except I just, I just wanted to share that.
So, back to the Bible. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, there's a bunch of dudes that wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus even called them out. He said, hey, I want you to come follow me. But here's the problem. They had a bunch of but firsts. Listen to this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 59, it says, And he said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. They had a lot of but first. They said, yeah, 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 I'll follow you, but first... But first, let me get done what I want to get done. I'll, I'll do what you're calling me to do. But first, there's some stuff that I got to do for me. And listen, what, what God wants from you today, he doesn't want your butt first. He wants your availability. He wants to be able to look out in the crowd today, and he wants to call you by name, and he wants to speak to your heart, and he wants you to be available. He wants you to turn off work. Work will be there tomorrow. He wants you to turn off lunch. You'll figure it out when you get home. He wants you to focus on what he is speaking to your heart today. The second thing that I can do, just like the, just like the shepherds, is I can believe. I can believe. John 3.16, everybody um, quotes this verse, but it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's a great Christmas, great Christmas verse. God gave, right? First gift. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. One of the keys to to serving God is believing. You need to be available, but then you got to believe. You got to believe. And, and, and you know, I, I think it's funny, like whenever we, whenever we watch um, at, at our house, like October, whatever, 15th, whenever Hallmark Channel starts putting on Christmas movies, we're watching Christmas movies at home. I mean, I've seen every Hallmark Christmas movie, you name it, I've seen it. It doesn't matter if I haven't seen it, I've seen it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like they're all the same. They're all the same. She's going to fall in love with the guy, but then she's going to see him hug his sister and think he's cheating on her, and they're going to break up, and at the end of the movie, they're going to kiss, and it's going to start snowing. It happens every time. All Hallmark movies are the same. But then sometimes we'll flip over, right? We'll find, like, like not Hallmark Christmas movies, but then we'll find, like, the Santa Claus Christmas movies. And I'm not going to ruin if, if people, I'm not even going to even talk. Why am I even saying that? Because I know what's going to happen. Parents are, like, getting really tight right now. But every Santa Claus movie, what happens? In every Santa Claus movie, all the people stop believing, and they all stop believing in Santa while he's flying, with the reindeer, and then what happens? All the reindeer lose their magic, and Santa's nose thing doesn't work, and the reindeer crash, and Santa crashes, and Christmas is over, right? It's all about belief. If you don't believe, Santa can't live, or whatever the case is. In Christianity, if you don't believe, it doesn't affect Jesus. It affects you. It affects me. If I live a life of just showing up at church, that's great, but if I don't really believe, I'm the one, I'm the one that has the problem. I'm the one that's going to suffer and struggle. I like how the angels, uh, here's what it says in Luke 2, 15 and 16. It says this, when the angels had left them, talking about the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. First of all, listen to this. These angels leave. What do the shepherds do? They say, let's go. Like, let's do it. Let's do this thing right now. Notice that the shepherds did not say, let's wait until later. They, they were available. They didn't say, let's put the sheep up first. They said, let's go right now. Like, let's go do this. And then it says this, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. 
A lot of times in the Bible, you got to pay attention to the little words. It says, has happened. They didn't say that could happen. They didn't say this thing that might have happened. They didn't say, let's go see if the angel was really telling the truth. They said, without a shadow of a doubt, let's go see what has happened. Why? Because they believed. They believed immediately. They didn't have someone convincing them. They didn't have to do five altar calls. They didn't have to have a preacher give them three points, and they all started with the letter P. Like, they didn't have to have all that. All they needed was an angel to show up, tell them one thing, and they said, I believe, let's go, let's do it. Let's do it. It says they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Here's the cool thing about belief. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a book of the Bible. It's called James. He named it after himself. Very cool. In his book, he says this, faith without works is dead. He says, you can tell me you believe all you want, but if there's no action backing that belief up, then I'm questioning your belief. He says, your belief is dead. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, how does that work? How does that go together? Because the Bible says we're not saved by, by works, we're saved by faith. I understand that. And, and here's, what it, here's what it hit me. It hit me that whenever I believe in something so much, my actions will follow my belief. When I truly believe something, it will dictate how I live and act. I, I, I don't know if any of you guys even care or have noticed, but Deion Sanders has been named the coach at Colorado, right? The University of Colorado. Those of you that don't care, Dion was a former football player. He started coaching at Jackson State, and now he's at Colorado. And I just happen to be curious about it, so I'm watching the very first meeting that Dion has with his new Colorado team. And he walks into the room, and there's all these players sitting there. And, and as he's talking to them, he's pretty rough. Like, he tells them right off the bat, some of y'all need to transfer out. Like, there's some of y'all, you're not going to make it with me. I'm bringing players with me. I'm recruiting new players, and some of y'all aren't going to cut it. Like, right off the bat, he's just telling them that it is what it is. But he says, if you stay with me, you know, we're going to have a great time. If you stay with me, I'm going to make you into a man. You're going to be disciplined and tough and strong and all these things. The thing is, as he spoke, you could tell that he believed what he was saying. And when you could tell he believed what he was saying, all of a sudden I'm looking at the kids in the crowd. One of the things Dion said was, is he said, when I get here officially, when I get here officially, we're not going to have hats in the meetings anymore. We're not going to be wearing hoodies in the meetings anymore. You're not going to be slouching down in the meetings anymore. And as he's saying that, there's a kid on the front row with a hat on, slouching down, watching coach. And I'm just watching this kid. And then something caught my eye. Probably nobody else noticed it. But off in the back corner of the room, there was this one kid. And all of a sudden, he sat up straight and snatched his hat off and like threw it on the floor. And it and it struck me as funny, and I thought, what just happened was there's one kid in the room that believed what coach was saying. And when he believed what coach was saying, his actions followed his belief. Listen, I shouldn't have to tell you how to live your life. You shouldn't have to tell me how to live my life. My belief, if I really believe in Jesus, it'll dictate how I live my life. My actions reflect my belief. I don't want to obey God out of fear. I don't want to obey God out of obligation. There are plenty of Christians in this world today that live in fear and obligation. The only reason they serve God, the only reason they go to church, the only reason they read their Bible is because they're afraid 
or they feel like they've got to check off all the boxes in order to be saved. Listen, that's not belief. That's following a bunch of rules. That's not belief. If I believe, all the other things will happen. So, so why do I read my Bible? I read my Bible because I believe God can speak to me through his word. And I want to hear from the creator of the universe more than anything else. Why, do I, why am I a Christian? Why do I live my life the way I do? Because I believe when Jesus said there's life after death, I want that. And I want to live my life in such a way that I gain that. The last thing that I can do is I can share. The, the shepherds were willing to share what God had done. In Luke 2, 17 through 20, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who were amazed at it, uh, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which had just been told to them. A couple of things to think about, and then we're going to be done. It says, Mary kept everything in her heart. But the shepherds went and told everybody everything. Now, I like the whole thing about Mary. I think it's good. We need to take what God's doing. We need to ponder it in our heart. We need to treasure it. We need to keep it. We need to meditate on it. That's all great. But here's the problem that we have sometimes in church is sometimes we think our relationship with God, that our faith is private, and the Bible never says that. See, our faith is personal, but it's not private. Our faith is personal, and it's public. These shepherds understood that. They said something great has happened. My life has been transformed. I have seen the king. I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the one that will save us from our sins. I've seen him, and I've got to tell everybody about him. Their faith, their belief was personal. They had a personal experience, but it wasn't private. And that's what we need to have today. We need to have a personal experience with God. But then we need to let people know about it. The fact is, your friends could care less what I've got to say. Your friends don't care what I've got to say. Your friends probably don't care a whole lot about who King David was or who Paul was or, or who Peter was. You know what your friends care about? Your friends care about you. And they care about why is your life different? Why have you been transformed? What is God doing in you? Your friends need to hear your experience, your story. Now, remember, we already said you don't have to be a scholar. All you got to be is a shepherd. You just got to be available, and you got to believe, and you got to be willing to share. My last little story, and this is where we're going to close. My daughter, um, this past week, her phone started acting up, her iPhone. And, and because of that, it was kicking her off of Wi-Fi, which means she's using data everywhere she goes. And if you're a dad that has to pay for your kid's cell phone bill, you know what that means. That means it's going to run your bill up, right? And so I'm getting concerned about it. And so I'm like, hey, we got to get this thing fixed. So I take Emma's phone to Apple because I think, listen, if the phone's broken, take it back to the source. You know, let the source, there's probably a sermon in there somewhere, except that Apple totally ruined my sermon because I got to Apple and that guy looked at the phone and he looked at the problem and he said, did you try restarting it? And I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said... Probably need to get a new phone then. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, all we're going to do is take it in the back and restart it and bring it back out to you. He said, he said, there's really nothing we can do. You probably just need to go ahead and buy a new phone. And I'm like, do you know how much new phones cost? 
And so I started doing the research. I started looking up on Apple.com, and I'm looking at the new phones, and it's like, you know, I don't know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars. And I was like, no, let's go to the refurbished. And I go to the refurbished. It's still expensive. I'm like, we're going to eBay. Like, we're going to see. And then I'm like calling friends and family. Anybody got an old phone under your bed somewhere that you don't need, right? Like, like I'm getting that to that desperation point. And then I thought, I thought, you know what, if I just take a few minutes and I do a little research, maybe I can figure something out. I know I'm not that good at tech, but if I can just look at it. And so I just took a little time. I did a little research. I hit a few buttons and all of a sudden we made the phone work. It was back up and running. Saved me hundreds of dollars that I didn't want to spend. What's the point? The point is, a lot of times in our life, people are going to tell you, You're too old, you're too broken, you're too messed up, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing you can do in God's kingdom because of all the things you've done in your past. And you may as well just give up. You may as well just give in. And I'm here to tell you today, you've got a God that's willing to take the time to work on you. You've got a God that's willing to take the time to, to develop you and to change you and to love you and to care for you. You've got a God that is willing to send his own son to the world to live a life that we couldn't live and die a death that we were supposed to die. You've got a God that loves you that much. So what do I need to do today? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad things may be, you need to know God's not going to give up on you. You need to make yourself available to him today. You need to believe in him today. And you need to share what God's done with you today. Remember your faith it's personal, but it's not private. Let's do this. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning? There's nothing spiritual or special about closing your eyes. It's just a way for us to kind of not look around, not be focused on anything else that's happening. And I want to pray for you today. Maybe today you say, Gabriel, I, I need to be available. I, I need to be available to God. I've just, I've just allowed myself to, to be too busy and too focused on other things. Right now, I'm so focused on my career. I'm so focused on my family. I'm so focused on, on my desires that I've not been available to hear what God's really trying to say to me. Maybe today you're not believing. Maybe today you're not serving God. Sure, you go to church and, and, and you watch online. Or maybe, maybe you've, you've read your Bible a few times, but you really don't believe. And you know it because your actions don't follow your belief. Maybe today you need to believe, just like the shepherds believing in the Savior and the Messiah, the one that can take away your sin. Maybe today you're the last category and you're saying, I want to be like the shepherds. I want to be that guy that shares. I want to be that guy that shares. And I may not know all the scriptures and I may not know all the stories, but but you know what I do know? I do know what God has done in me, and I want to share that. Wherever you find yourself today, I want to pray with you. And as a matter of fact, as I pray, I want you to pray for yourself. You begin to ask God. You begin to tell God, God, I want to be available to you. God, today I make myself available. God, today I want to believe in you. I believe that Jesus is your son and that he died to take away my sins. So God, right now as I pray for this group and and for those that may not know you today, I just pray that they would find you. I thank you, God, that the shepherds went and looked for you and they found you. That you are not hidden from us today, that you are close to us. So God, today I just pray for you to to minister to our hearts. I pray that you would draw people close to you today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. God, make us available to you. Forgive us, God, for for not being available. Forgive us for being too busy. Forgive us for focusing on everything else but you and not giving you that time. 
God, forgive us today for our sins. And, and God, today we want to believe in you. Today we want to give you our hearts and our lives. We want you to be in charge, not us, God. We want to surrender everything to you. And so, God, today we give you our lives. And we ask that you would forgive us of our sins because only you can cleanse us. We can't cleanse ourselves. Today we put our belief in you, and tomorrow when we wake up, we'll believe in you. And, and, and on Tuesday when we wake up, we'll believe in you, God, because belief isn't a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing, and we want to believe in you. And finally, God, I pray that you would give us boldness today to share our story. God, I pray that you give us courage today. God, you didn't call us just to keep everything in. God, you called us to share. You called us to spread. God, you've called us to be those kind of people that go around and love on those around us. And so, God, you've planted each and every person in this room in the right neighborhood, in the right job, in the right school. You've planted us in the right location to be able to be a witness for you. And so, God, I just pray today that you give us that kind of boldness, the boldness of a shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.